Action! I did not hit her. It's not true. It's bullshit. I did not hit her. I did not. Oh, hi, Mark. Hello and welcome back to another edition of the Substandard, sponsored by HelloFresh. HelloFresh is the meal kit delivery service that makes cooking fun, easy, and convenient. For $30 off your first week of deliveries, visit HelloFresh.com and enter Substandard30 when you subscribe. I'm Victor Mattis, along with Sonny Bunch and Jonathan V. Last. I'd like to remind you the Substandard is available on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher. Just look under podcasts and search for Substandard. You'll easily find us. Please subscribe. Tell your friends. Leave a review. I think we've broken. We're what nearing five hundred reviews or something. Nearing like that? five hundred. Yeah, got to get them in before the new, before the new oh, year. That's that's what matters. You got to get end, end of. Yes. Oh, well, I'm sorry. And, <laughs> and three hundred written, at least three hundred written reviews. Uh, great stuff, uh, mostly. Um, few, uh, a few naysayers. Again, there are people who are surprised and disappointed by dudes chatting. Yeah, it's just dudes this chatting. Is, this is That's what, what you, you get. signed up for. Don't you know this? That should have been called. This should have been the podcast. This show sh- should have been called dudes, dudes, chatting dudes chatting about stuff. Dudeschatting.com. We could have did a whole thing on it. Um, dudes, dudes chat meet. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's I'm sure that would. I'm sure that would. You know, chat be a great room. dating site for heterosexual <laughs> men. Dudes chat meet. <laughs> Uh, how are we, uh, JVL? You doing all right? Yeah, I'm fine. Okay. I uh, I brought a little something to the show today. Okay, Uh-oh. what do we got? What's this? From Shannon. The kids were doing an art project, and Shannon was amusing herself by coming up with some gift ideas for you two mm. for oh, Christmas. For goodness sakes. We have here, Sonny, a sweater for, for a, a dog. dog that's a shawl collar. <laughs> no, it's cable knit. Oh, no, no, no. Look, look, look. It says shawl collar. Like right right there. Where is the removable hood, Sherpa pajamas, no slip bottoms. It says cable knit. It's not a shawl collar. It's a shawl collar. <laughs> That's whatever. not a shawl Don't... collar. It's ah! a cable knit sweater. You can take it up on Twitter with my wife. Uh, there is then a Vic for you. Mm. Uh, a smoking gun wood smoke infuser. That's, I, oh, I yeah, don't understand no, no. this, this is kind but of to like you, make so you your bourbon, no, oh, no, oh, to make oh. your bourbon smell smoky or something. Oh, oh. How, how very molecular, gastronomically, and sort she of says that it's very butch and almost like a real tool. <laughs> mix, <laughs> yeah, that's the, the, the least butch thing I've ever seen. The mixologists no, but, uh, love that. No, in two thousand and seven. Here's this is actually this is so at at uh, at Fiolamare, you can get a drink where they don't actually they don't have like a. A big tube that they stick in your drink. They have like a little thing that they light, and it it makes the drink, it makes the cocktail very smoky. It only costs fifty dollars. This cocktail, oh, I get drink. The, one drink. I get it's I get two or three. It's yeah. fine, and that's why you I go expense, there. I straight I send that bill straight to the, the free, free Beacon, Beacon uh, LLC. Me too. What a coincidence. That's good. That's all I have. Uh, okay, well, delightful. Thank and thank you and thank you, yeah. Shannon. I like the smoke. She's always the, thinking the, about the, you guys. Shannon's smoker. so nice. Shannon's yeah, so much yeah. nicer than you. <laughs> oh yeah. No question. Sonny, how you doing? I'm great. Uh, I had a good weekend. Watched a lot of movies. Mm-hmm. Went to I went to Roosevelt Island, which is uh, oh, like located it in the you yeah. Mean, it's actually nice. looking it's down like, from the beacon. Yeah, Island. you can see it from our you office. Take your dog. We took our we took our daughter. Oh, she wow. she walked around some. Um, can you please get your phone away no, no, from no, the no, microphone? No, 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 I got a, I got a script here. Okay, uh, and then uh, yeah, so I don't know. Uh, it was a nice little, nice little getaway. Getaway. What okay. are you? What are you up to? Sunday. Sunday. Uh, Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. 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 I got. Uh, there was a knock on the door, 
and I could tell it was, uh, I could hear the kids. It was the could, police. Oh, no, not yet, not yet. And it was <laughs> They'd the finally come for daddy. It was the kids from uh, uh, across the street, and yes, I was not in the rush to get to the door. Uh, by the time I opened it, they were gone, and there was a three-foot-tall Santa uh, staring at me, a plastic Santa. Mm-hmm. I said, oh, my gosh, what did they give us, like, lawn decoration or something? Oh, my goodness. And then I turn it around, and there's a note attached to the Santa, and it says this. Tis the season for laughter and joy. This Santa on your porch is not a toy. He is watching you tonight and tomorrow as well. To the North Pole he will report. Which stories will he tell? Only one night may he stay, for he must continue his ride to friends and neighbors that you must decide. While he's staying at your home, take his picture with your phone on his Facebook page. You must post so you can see who's been his host. To let others know of his visit to your window pane, proudly display on your window a colorful candy cane. What the shit is this? So this is, this is a like chain letter. letter. Yes. This is a chain letter yes. mixed with the pink flamingo thing that all the like the little What is the pink flamingo thing? It's a suburban insufferable neighborhood game where neighbors like get a tacky pink flamingo and stick it and you move it from your yard to your neighbor's yard, then they put it in another neighbor's yard. And then like, then it's crazy because none of you actually like pink flamingos. It's so tacky. And it's just something that people who shop at Pottery Barn and then live in the suburbs and think that they're being I, whatever. It's like it's like meat space Facebook. <laughs> That's the worst thing I've ever heard. This yes. is like, you wait, Sonny. One day, Vic, one day it's going to come to you. I want no. you to tell they, me. And something happened like this on you know, Halloween. You know what's going to happen to me? Outside, uh-huh. opened up your phone, started a Facebook Live, and then beat it to, to pieces with a bat. Santa. Poor Santa. And then I, post that I, on I, Facebook. You know, put that, no, was, if you put that on the Weekly hey, Standard Facebook, I bet it would get a lot of engagement. Yes. <laughs> if you people if you people would like to have a sense of community, I don't know, go to church. Join I, a bowling league. Yeah. Join a community, civic organization. Overrated. <laughs> no, but don't do this fake community. If it's, you want community, a, yeah. then do a real community, not a, this virtual, uh, ridiculous... It's, it's going ugh. around. I was so... You didn't do it. Of course. I was so you tempted... did it. I was so tempted to yeah, keep it in... Vote the, Mattis. Class president. <laughs> vote Mattis. I've never felt that way in my life. Uh, I... I was so tempted to just keep the Santa in the basement forever. Hostage. Forever. forever. <laughs> Duct tape you know, around right? its mouth. And then people come by, where did that Santa go? I don't know. You should dig it. You could dig a know. hole. What's you Santa? could dig a hole in your basement and put it down, there, put it down there and just say, uh, Santa puts the lotion in the basket. <laughs> <laughs> or else it gets the hose I mean, again. I was going to make a you cask do. of Amontillado. You, you, you outdid me, son. You could, you you could, you could me. wall up your Santa. I was going to wall in yeah. Santa the cask. You could do a series of pictures every day with Santa. Oh, right. Like I'm posting to Facebook. We've still got him. No, not I, letting I him go. Not letting him go. And uh, I'm, beginning, of- I'm also beginning to suspect there are several Santas going around, not just one. You understand what oh, I'm saying? Oh, really? So that did you case- tape the candy cane in your door too? You did it, didn't you? You put a candy cane in your window. I'm sweating here. Let's move on. I had a terrible sort he of wants annoying. To be loved so badly. I had a terrible annoying commute this morning. He really is pathetic. I had a terrible annoying commute this morning. Because, you know who wouldn't course, have done that? Captain Bill Dwyer. Uh, no. Captain Bill Dwyer would have done a code red on that Santa. <laughs> I don't think. By the way, happy belated birthday to Captain Bill Dwyer was last week. I'm sure he saw How many commas did he fix? There you go. Take that. Take that, be- your belief. So on our way up, Sonny and I had a lively discussion. Yes. But I don't know if this is going to work, though, for the show, because you know many of our listeners from all over the world yeah. are not going to really care about right. I-66 and the new HOV, uh, the uh, Easy Pass. What is it? Hot yeah. Lanes? Hot Lanes. Hot Lanes. Oh, we should do that just to annoy Jonah. <clears throat> uh, how so? 
Why no, just because it's, it's like a it's it's so like Chinese buffet. Yeah. Oh. It's a, a subject about which. <laughs> oh, I thought he had a strong opinion on this. No, no. no. But you know, because the, you know, at, at its height, you know, there's no limit to. How we should much explain. We should oh. explain to people. Oh. Sorry. So oh, in okay. in DC, the very brief of it is the there's a east and west running highway that uh, for a long time, for many years, from I think it was six to nine in the morning or something like that. You could only use if you had two or more people in the car. It's like the biggest main artery into the city, uh, except for 395. It's, it's the second biggest it's main second artery biggest, into the city. But and, the, it was, and it was restricted to people who carpool. Can you, can you let the professional like transportation guy talk please, about this? Please, please do. No, I, I'm there sorry. Are, I was... There are only two roads which carry traffic east-west into the city. Only two of them. Okay. Route 50, which is a very small, low-grade uh, suburban highway, which has lots, not even a highway, which has a uh, top speed of 50 in stretches, lots of... Vic, are you all right? Are you stroking out again? It's very warm in here. What's Literally, he's, he is like mopping sweat off his forehead. Anyway, Route 50 and then I-66. And for years... I-66, the only east-west highway and artery in and out of the city during rush hour was HOV only, I meaning you had to carpool if you wanted to take the highway. You had to have at least two people in the car. essentially meant that you, by deciding to move west of the city, you were deciding to become a carpooler. What's wrong? Are you hearing me? I'm going in and out of my, 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 my speakers go in and out. Yeah, so I, it's I, like I, I have no hearing in my left ear, but okay. Continue. Right. I'm a, but it looks like it's reading fine. Continue. Okay. Well, looks we'll just like cut all that. Fine. What was the time on that? Eleven <laughs> twenty. Uh, no, no, no. Okay. Yeah. We're fine. Anyway, and th- this was a disaster because, and it was only two lanes. This is the other thing. This is one of the Virginia has some of the worst transportation planning in all of America. In fact, this was this was done yes. up by uh, the yes. Wall Street Journal uh-huh. over the weekend, who mm-hmm. did a giant infographic thing about I ninety five. And in the entire span of 95, Which from Maine to oh. Miami, mm-hmm. the single worst bottleneck anywhere, my exit. <laughs> exit 160 on Virginia. And that sounds about right, yeah. Wow. And they said that this is... The, well, because that's where it goes from four lanes to three, right? Yep. yep. Because why would you want to have four lanes throughout the yep. entire D.C. metropolitan area? And, and when there are, again... Only two roads leading north south. Four Route lanes one. to three going up, or northbound, southbound, or both, or from from south from north to south. You go from four lanes to three, and then Got shortly it. thereafter, you go from three lanes to two, and so you just have a radically insufficient carrying capacity. No, you yeah, you do. Three three ninety five does not get down, or ninety five does not get down to two lanes. Certainly, it does. Not before Fredericksburg. Uh, I didn't say right before Fredericksburg, but like so, it's like another twenty miles after. You go to three, you go down to two. Oh, okay, yeah. Maybe. And don't forget, Fredericksburg is still very much in the metropolitan area. Everybody who lives in Fredericksburg is commuting north. Yeah, and the the metropolitan area. Well, Fredericksburg's kind of a to, weird to median Richmond. point where you can go from you can go either to Richmond or to DC from there. Anyway, yeah. we're getting bogged down. This, yeah, yeah. But this is the the point is that. Things are bad on I-66. So continue. continue. Yes. Well, so the problem is now, um, you know, people who are, you know, HOV compliant, they come in with two, three, four people, whatever. They they, they go to, they take 66. They take 66. <laughs> you like that, Sonny? <laughs> Here, okay. this is where. No, no, I'm done is, with the show. I'm, I'm so done. I can't do it anymore. I this can't is, do this anymore. Here's
here's here's my impression of Vic. Vic's like, oh, I'm gonna talk to the people like this. I'm gonna talk all the way over here, and I'm gonna yell, and that'll almost make it right. Instead of just sitting, instead of just stop. Instead of just just sitting, and he's is there's literally buckets of sweat pouring off his head right now. By the way, salty. Don't try that. The kids, don't try to bite the microphone foam at home. I thought it would be a funny gag. It was salty, and that's concerning. Why is it salty? Congratulations. You have hep C now. As you can see, I just got very worked up and animated over it. Speaking of animated over the weekend, Coco <laughs> took the top spot with $26 million. See, I'm on a roll. I'm on a roll. I should have taken off my coat. I don't know how you, you're all buttoned up in that wool. You're making me sweat just staring at you. In second place, Justice League. Justice League with 16 point, 16 and a half million dollars. Is that good? That is great. Is is that good? I don't have 16 and a half million dollars. That's got to be great. It's only a 60% drop after three it's weeks. Only, it's only a 60% third weekend drop. And, and Wonder on, on its heels with $12.5 million. The in, question, week four, in week four, Wonder is going to be above Justice this League. This is my question. It? My question to the two of you is, does Justice League next week drop behind Wonder or even Thor Ragnarok? Mm, probably won't drop behind Thor Ragnarok. I would be surprised if it dropped behind Wonder, but I wouldn't be shocked. Okay. Uh, <laughs> sorry. I'm still getting the taste of... Ooh, uh, it's going to be fun in, stitching this together in the end. No, no. Here. We should just... As is. As is. That's good for the ratings. <laughs> uh, this is the un- people are going to wonder about this. This is great because this goes right into the disaster artist. Speaking of disasters. Speaking of disasters. Speaking of disasters in 12th place, but only in a handful of theaters, was the disaster artist. Uh, I think only Sonny saw the disaster artist. You're going to have to explain to us what it's about. I don't know how many people know the room. You told me about the room. I thought you were talking about the movie with Brie Larson. Yeah, Room. You thought it was yes. a, a making of the movie Room. Yeah, it's kind of interesting, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> uh, so here, this is... Go for it. Uh, speaking of disasters, uh, it was very funny getting this show started. We we really just rolled right into... God damn, this is the worst. <laughs> the Disaster Artist is about the making of the cult classic of The Room. The Room is a movie that defies... Uh, description. It is much like The Matrix. No one can be told what the room is. You have to see it for yourself. And uh, if you have seen it, then you then you will be aware of what is what is going uh, on in the Disaster Artist. But my question, honestly, is when you are sitting in a in a room with a studio exec and you're saying, "I need five million dollars to make this movie," or ten million dollars to make this movie, The Disaster Artist, and you show them a Venn diagram of the United States population with the people who have seen The Room and also people who are fans of James Franco oh. is uh, what is oh. the overlap on this more than like a million people I don't I don't under, <laughs> more than 2 million people it can't possibly be more than 1% of the population 4 million people let's say 3.5 to 4 million people. Anyway, so the, the the Disaster Artist is about the making of this cult classic. And it's become a cult classic because it was it was four-walled in Hollywood that's industry speak. That's an industry term uh, for paying a theater to show your movie. And uh, the, the the film was made by this guy named Tommy Wiseau, who's like kind of an Eastern European um, immigrant whose background is very mysterious. This is all part of the appeal of the movie uh, and kind of the making of story. He's a he's an Eastern European of some sort who has apparently an, a limitless 
amount of funds, who has a bottomless bank account. The money, nobody knows. The money, the money, nobody has any idea where it comes from. Uh, he's got these, uh, he, he is friends with this guy, Greg Sestero, who uh, is played by, in the movie, uh, played by Dave Franco. Tommy Wiseau is played by James Franco. Um, uh, this, this guy, Greg, is a, he's a model who wants to be an actor and who's really a very, very bad actor. Uh, and so Tommy and Greg, who uh, are both very, very bad at acting, decide that instead of failing in Hollywood, they're going to make their own movie. And w- in the process of making the movie, you know, they make all sorts of terrible mistakes. They buy their equipment instead of renting it. They, you know, uh, hire a bunch of people who have no idea what they're doing. They have they hire a bunch of people who know what they're doing and then make fun of them while they're, you know, bumbling around the set, whatever. Uh I don't know exactly how many people this movie appeals to. I, I really, I had kind of hoped JVL would see it just so I could get an idea of like how it plays to somebody who hasn't seen The Room. Um, but if you folks out there have, who have not seen The Room, see The Disaster Artist, uh, let me know. Let me know how it plays for you. For me, it's great. I loved it. I'm part of the one percent who like enjoys kind of the ridiculousness of The Room. And did and you watch it at the time? I well, no. So it came out in two thousand and three. And kind of built an audience over. I mean, it wasn't until 2007 or 2008 that it became like a thing. There was a story in Entertainment Weekly. There was a, you know, there were like lots of people talking about it. There was a making. There was a, a book about the making of uh, that was that was co-written with Tom Bissell, who's like a very, you know, very smart writer who sat down with Greg Sestero and turned his idiocy into into a book. Um, I am. I am curious to see how this plays for people the way the film is structured is very smart it's basically structured like a sports movie where you have a team of underdogs who like do training montages like all the stuff where they're trying to get work in hollywood and trying to become you know real actors and then they have setbacks and then the movie culminates in a a kind of come from behind last minute victory so the structure of the film itself the structure of the disaster artist makes a lot of sense as like kind of a classic hollywood archetype right that's how they would do it. Uh, uh, how it will play to people who don't understand the references that are being that are being shown on film I don't know because it, it really is very much like watching a meme come to life it's like watching a meme be brought to life and if you don't know the meme if you aren't familiar with mm-hmm. the cultural milieu in which that takes place I don't see how this works for people I just mm-hmm. don't understand it right so anyway that's that They're is counting kind on of, the Millennials to I yes. guess I mean the millennials and the Gen Xers. I like I, I again I I, I I you know this this is a movie that has garnered uh, its reputation through midnight screenings and through kind of uh, passed around DVDs. Yeah, it and is number one on Amazon drama DVDs right now. So it's 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 it is it is it's a you know this is because people are trying to catch up. They're seeing this this movie, The Disaster Artist. They want to they want to get caught up and mm-hmm. you know figure out what's going on. When did you become aware of? I was not aware of it in two thousand three, when the movie came out. Were I you? became nobody aware was of it no, three days ago. Nobody was aware of this movie in two thousand three. It was the, the only advertising for it was a billboard in Los ah. Angeles. Uh-huh. And uh, again, in show notes, if we do them this week, there's a there's an Entertainment Weekly story that kind of like tracks the rise of this movie. Uh-huh. And like so for you know you have an industry town like Los Angeles and. For for weeks and months and years, people are seeing this billboard <laughs> advertising the room with this strange person's face on it, and it and it and it it, it 
eventually kind of creates this kind of self-perpetuating cult, mm -hmm. you know, uh, a fascination. And it wasn't again until 2007 or 2008 that it kind of broke out into the mainstream of cult fandom, you know, yeah. like the... Yeah. yeah. Do we yeah. still not know anything about Tommy Wiseau's background? <clears throat> Uh, to the best of my knowledge, we have no idea where he's really from. We Somewhere have no in idea. Eastern Europe, or you think we it's have, entirely we affected? We have no idea where his money comes from. I don't brilliant. think it's affected. It might yeah. be, but I don't I think know, it's that affected. That would be amazing. If it he's was. not a good enough actor to affect it. Um, uh, the the uh, the book, the Disaster Artist, that was written, the Greg Sestero Tom Bissell book, um, uh, was. Uh, kind of posited a you know maybe this is where Tommy comes from idea and it's this sad story of like immigrants and abuse and he comes into money and but but like I but I there's no reason to believe that it, this is any sort of 100% uh, uh, you know 100% true concrete yeah. uh, fashioning yeah. of yeah. the Tommy Wiseau story. I mean, it's a it's a it's a mystery. But it's it sort of uh, makes sense that this is a James Franco vehicle because it's kind of a James Franco thing, right? It is very much, and it's a it's a great movie for James Franco, where yeah. he gets to be kind of weird, but also very actorly. And I I think he's actually really good in it. I mean, he's really good in it, but mm -hmm. he's only really good in it if again you understand what he's doing. Because mm -hmm. if you don't understand what he's doing, if you have never seen the movie and if you've never seen any interviews with with so, you think he's just kind of mumbling and bumbling right. and stumbling and right. like slurring and kind of doing a bad Eastern European right. accent while wearing this absurd black wig. I the whole thing is again, it's very odd. Uh, but thing, it works. Yeah, no, and, and and James Franco, obviously, you know, he's always keeping busy. If he's not doing something on yeah. movie, TV, writing, stuff like that, um, uh, soap operas, whatever. But you know, you know who else are busy? Hello Fresh customers. That's who. And HelloFresh loves that they wear their business as a badge of honor. While the holiday season can creep toward chaos, there's a festive hustle and bustle you should take time to enjoy. In that spirit, HelloFresh says, go ahead, embrace the hustle and bustle. They'll be there to calm the chaos in the meantime. HelloFresh does the shopping, planning, and delivery, so all you have to do is hustle, bustle, and enjoy. Finally, you can enjoy not having to plan dinner, spending money on takeout for an easy night, or worry about gathering ingredients week after week. HelloFresh offers a wide variety of chef curated recipes that change weekly you won't spend all night in the kitchen because recipes only take 30 minutes all the ingredients come pre-measured in handy labeled meal kits so you know which ingredients go with which recipe feel confident when cooking HelloFresh with the simple recipes outlined on pictured step-by-step -step instruction cards they offer three plans to choose from classic veggie and family HelloFresh is delivered right to your door in recyclable insulated packaging. It's all for less than $10 a meal. Uh, I myself cook the Thai spiced meatballs, the Adobo Loco steak, and the Carolina barbecue chicken. What I loved about it is not having to stress over what's for dinner every night because that's something that's constantly on our minds. And I also like doing work because, you know, cooking and, and standing and cooking and chopping and everything else because I spend most of my day sitting at a desk. HelloFresh has a special offer to listeners of the Substandard Podcast for $30 off your first week of HelloFresh. Visit HelloFresh.com and enter promo code SUBSTANDARD30 one more time to try HelloFresh and get $30 off your first week. Go to HelloFresh.com and use promo code SUBSTANDARD30 at checkout. So, cult classics. This is what this falls under, doesn't it? The category of cult classics. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I, the first thing we need to discuss, I think, yes, is please. how do you define a cult classic? That's a good question. JBL, JBL. You're, a big, you're a big into defining things. How would you define a cult classic? So I have a lot of questions about this. 
and I was hoping we could sort through it together. Yeah. Uh, on the one hand, do cult classics have to be bad? No. I don't think that that is. I don't think that's the case at all. Okay. Do they have to have a small audience? Well, I think they have to initially have a small audience. For instance. Okay. The Princess Bride was at one point in time a cult classic, but then its audience grew so gigantic Mm -hmm. that it's now just sort of a beloved classic. Right. Does it no longer a cult? Do you lose your... Is cult status something which can be won and lost? I think so. I don't think, for instance, the Princess Bride could, at this point in time, be considered a cult classic. Does it have to be quotable? A great number of cult classics have lines which are instantly recognizable. You know, what? it's just a flesh wound. That rabbit's dynamite. Inconceivable! I came here to chew bubblegum and kick ass, and I'm all out of bubblegum. Have you ever been in a Turkish prison, Bobby? At this point, I ask a practical question. I'm sorry. Wait. Uh, I, you think Airplane was ever a cult classic? I believe for a short Short amount of time well, it was. Keep in mind, yeah. though, play, it was, what was, it was Airplane's of, box office? It, it was, was one huge. Of the, was it huge, was a huge, huge. It was one of the top uh, grossing films of 1980. Airplane, right, well, then Airplane was a basic cable classic. That's a different thing. Okay. Uh, I think, though, there is the... Com- Strong men also cry. <laughs> Thank you. The commercial box office aspect is important to cult classic status, I yeah. think. For example, I was looking here, and I have two for you. One is Office Space, which at the box office, domestic, total, yeah. $10.8 million. And the other one, and here's one that- I'm surprised it was that high. And the other one, yes. And the other one that may no longer be considered a cult classic, but that's up for discussion, is Shawshank Redemption, which in the theaters only did $28 million Hmm. on a $25 million budget. So So both of those movies, intensely quotable. Yes. Yeah. So is that so many cult classics are like that, but they have a language which people love. And which people cling to, but not all movies. That were, like, does the room have anything like that? Yeah, tearing so. me apart. Yeah, right? there, there are definitely lines from the room that are, re- but again, by aficionados. Yeah. Like, yeah, I don't know that that is broken through to the mainstream. Hipsters right, today. Faces of Death is a cult classic, I think. Right, Vic. <laughs> uh, yeah, in, in, I mean, in, in its own in a, in a snuffish in its own, way. In, in a snuffish, snuffish way. Snuffish right. Way. This is yeah. uh, what I'm. What I'm getting at is. I have an idea for an actual definition here, but mm-hmm. all of these other things uh, are aspects of it which are not not even necessary, let alone sufficient. Mm-hmm. They are they are tangential to what makes a movie a cult mm-hmm. classic, and so I'm interested in what you boys okay. think. My Sunny. definition of a cult classic is a film that has a small but intense following. That is like the definition of a cult, right? That is like, so if you look at a movie like, say, uh, Rocky Horror Picture Show, that's a movie that developed a small audience that loved the film for a, loved the film very intensely for a long period of time. Now, whether or not Rocky Horror has transcended that, I, but I don't really think it has. I don't. I don't, it has. I don't think it has. I think it remains a small cult it's, classic. It's become enormously problematic. I think. Well, there's, there's. That's a different issue. That's because different of Tim issue. Curry. Yeah, yeah. Uh, a movie like Pink Flamingos. My gender is not a costume. A movie like Pink Flamingos is remains a cult classic. That's John I think, Waters. That's all John, John Waters, Waters is cult. Basically, classic, all right? John Waters is is cult. That's true. Uh, and and some. So the, the, since we're since I mentioned both Rocky Horror and John Waters, we should ask is camp 
a necessity for it to be cult. And I would say, or are most camp classics just cult classics because camp is by itself probably not right? I mean, when we think like I think Mon- so, Monty Python and the Holy Grail is the cult classic of our youth, right, Victorino? I mean, this yeah, was the definition exactly. of the cult movie mm-hmm. for us. Mm-hmm. It's not campy. You could make an argument that The Big Lebowski is a cult classic. The Big The Big Lebowski was was one hundred percent a cult classic. Is not a cult classic. Not anymore, anymore. right? It's just a. It's now good looked movie. on as, in just fact, the yeah, Coen Brothers' best movie, probably. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't know. Spinal Tap is not. But again, campy. Right? But this is. I mean, but this are, is. I, I I don't know the numbers off the top of my head, but Spinal Tap has always been a relatively popular film. I think it did relatively well in the box office, or maybe not. I don't. I don't know. And certainly quotable lines. Yeah, I mean, I've always thought of Spinal Tap yeah. as a... I don't know. I think this is... So what I... Do you think that comedies <clears throat> are specifically very well positioned to become cult classics because of the quotable and... Yes. And, well, first of all, because comedies, and comedies rarely yeah. do very well at the outset, right? Mm. Comedies can take a very long time to find an audience. It can take years for a comedy to find mm. an audience. Mm-hmm. Uh, when we were, I, I think of, Victorino, the three biggest cult classics of our adolescence. Okay. Monty Python and the Holy Grail. Sure. Amazon Women on the Moon. Yes, but I didn't see it. Maybe. I have no idea what that is. It's a series of sketches woven around essentially a late night showing of a B movie on a UHF channel in which they bring out like, you know, so you get like oh. three minutes of the B movie and then they go to like five minutes of fake commercials. I got confused. I was thinking of Earth like Girls Aren't Easy. No, it's a different, different <laughs> film. Sorry. Different film. Uh, and Kentucky Fried Movie, which are, yeah, yeah. that and Amazon sure. Women of the Moon are. are UHF. Yes. Is in that. In fact. Kentucky Fried Movie. Yes. Kind of Kentucky Fried right. Movie has, a, speaking of it, as we discussed in our uh, micro episode two days ago about a character in two the same character in two different movies. Kentucky Fried movie had the same guy in two different movies, and that one an airplane, and the guy was the host of Point Counterpoint. He's the guy who says, "I say they bought their tickets, they knew what they were getting into. I say let him crash," and he plays the same character in Kentucky Fried movie. So there you go. That's funny. Uh, I would say. Uh, the other thing about cult classics is even if they're not meant to be funny, if they're unintentionally funny, that that adds to it. Right. Well, like so this the is room. so this is right. the room. Uh, Zardoz, Zardoz, I think has has kind of uh, transitioned into that. But that that's a much smaller category. I I, I don't think that that is like a a uh, the unintentionally funny movie is like a it, and it's and it's almost impossible to capture. Um, I, my, I mean, look, my, my, again, my, my primary definition of cult classic is a movie that was, uh, a, a movie that was mostly ignored upon release, uh, that developed, uh, an audience either through midnight screenings or at home. And you, for instance, a movie like Donnie Darko is oh. a very good example of this. It grossed about a million bucks in the box office and then mm-hmm. became one of the first really big DVD hits once it mm-hmm. once it was kind of available for college students to and high school students to pick up and kind of pick over mm-hmm. um, uh, so you know but that and that, and that is a movie that is funny and has some good lines yeah. in it but it is also just kind of weird and 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 it uh, totally understandable why it didn't find an audience in theaters yeah in, ta- in terms of talking about commercially unsuccessful but fantastic movies and I wouldn't call it I don't think I would call it a cult classic but almost famous right? 
That did terrible. At the, remember, we lamented this at the time. You and I saw, we thought it was one of the best movies I, ever. I don't Cat. think it has a cult audience no. outside of you. Oh, jeez. Really? Sorry. Almost Famous. Me is, and Robert Messenger. <laughs> Almost Famous is pretty popular, but like, it, I, I do oh, think it. I, I, I don't think I don't but, get enough of that. See, that, see that is a movie I would never consider a cult classic. Just because yeah. it, it, yeah. it, it has a it has like a modestly sized audience of people who are like, yeah, yeah that's, that's a pretty good movie. It's, so it's, I, I have a question about the pace of production of cult movies. Okay. From my vantage point, it looks like we have many fewer cult movies than we did 20 years ago. But this could be just because I'm past the age where cult movies take hold and I just can't see those things. The last cult movie I can see coming out is probably something like Don, Donnie Darko. I can recognize Donnie Darko as having been a cult movie. And I don't see, but it seems like it used to be back when Vic and I were kids that there were tons of cult movies. There mm-hmm. were always new movies coming out being added to the cult mm-hmm. and that the pace of that has slowed down. And I ask you if this is true, because if it is true, I have a theory as to why. I don't. I, I it, it again kind of goes back to how you define these things, because I my, my theory on. We're having mic uh, mic discipline problems today. <laughs> Could you? Do you want me to do are, a Vic? Are you are you done with that? Can you? Do you really need I'm that? Trying to, not to cough into the. Into I would. The I would rather you moved away from the mic and cough. Okay, than... I'll do a Vic. I'll just talk from back here. <laughs> Sonny, it's it's hard when you're not working with professionals. I would uh, I would yes. suggest <laughs> I would suggest that the there is no such thing as cult anymore. In the internet age, because everything yes. is instantly accessible to everyone. Yes. So once a movie becomes popular, it no longer becomes hard to acquire or hard to see. Mm-hmm. And if something is not hard to acquire, if you don't have to go to a midnight screening, if you don't have to get a Samizdat DVD passed down of Evil Dead Two from your or VHS, you know, uh, from your older brother's mm-hmm. degenerate friends, uh, you can you really have cult anymore? I would take this a step further. Which is that the reason we had more cult films was because we had a monoculture. And there was this big shared monoculture. And when it fragmented occasionally, people would latch onto one of those shards Mm -hmm. and they would then turn that into the cult classic. Today, the shared culture is dissolving. It's all shards. Yes. There is no monoculture. And so everything is in its own way, almost by definition, a cult product. Yes. I, I I think this yeah. is very smart and a very very true That's point. Right. Once you once you have a culture where the most popular TV show is seen by less than ten percent of the population on a weekly basis, uh, uh, less than I mean five percent. Are we? Is there anything that averages fifteen million viewers a week? Really? Mm. I guess some, I, don't I, I don't guess watch some, TV. yeah. I mean I like <laughs> Big Bang. But no, but I mean I like but like no, I'm sure you, that the number one TV show even, averages like twenty million viewers. But even something. even but even yes. like a, a movie point that, taken a movie that grosses three hundred million dollars is seen by maybe ten percent of the population. Correct at best, and a three hundred million dollar grossing film is a huge hit. It's an enormous hit. It's like one of the five biggest grossing movies of the year. Now, I mean, you look back on this like fifty years ago, half of America went to the movies every right. weekend. That's right, right. So I, I I do think that there is there is a there is a very serious point that nothing nothing is well everything can be cult kind of yeah which means that nothing is cult which I means mean, it is not right you know when everybody's yeah. special then nobody's right. special I will tell you my favorite uh, I was thinking about 
movies that I like that. You're gonna rank them? Cult. No, I just rank have them. one rank cult them. classic, rank and my favorite is Flash Gordon from 1980. And I didn't. Aaron Gray. No, no, that's Buck Rogers. The one with oh, the Queen, Rogers, Melody right. Anderson. The one with the Queen soundtrack. Yes, fantastic. I saw that in the theater. I was seven, and I remember thinking, "Wow, this!" I remember. You know what I said? This is better than Star Wars. <laughs> because it's more fresh in your mind, and I think later that summer I probably saw *Empire Strikes Back*, and then that you know argument yeah. was settled. But I mean, again, this is a this great, is another this yeah. is another movie that I don't know can qualify as a cult classic because it was like a big movie at the time. It was. I went to this. Is why I looked movie, into it. It was a big movie at the time, and it yeah. is it is a camp classic. Yeah, perhaps. and it was totally um, you know. Uh, 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 I mean, the critics destroyed it, obviously, and you know, there's showgirls. We had mentioned acting. showgirls oh, yeah. in yeah, the sure. discussion sure. in the discussion sure. leading up to this sure. episode. Is sure. showgirls? So showgirls is definitely a cult classic insofar as it is a movie that was loved. That was mostly it was it it was a, a modest bomb. It was kind of ignored in theaters because it had the NC-17, and then it developed a uh, a a very small but intense and loyal following. Um, in large part because of its camp value, because it was it was you know absurd and kind of kitschy and uh, and you know you filled know. with nudity, filled with nudity. But I don't think the people who were most into it were that into the specific kind of nudity in this movie. If you catch my drift. Uh, but could my point is, could you spell that out for me, Sonny? But my point is, like it is, it's a it, it, like that is that is almost certainly a cult classic, mm-hmm. right? Like oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, I saw that in the theater. And in Shirley five times. <laughs> I sat in the back row <laughs> with my trench coat and sunglasses. No, no, no. I remember I, I went with my uh, housemate at the time, Jose, and I thought, and they were they were very strict about um, making sure kids under seventeen were not admitted. It was NC seventeen. It was the was first. It is that right? It was the it uh, was the first NC seventeen movie to get a wide release. Yes, it might have been the first NC seventeen movie. I believe they they invented the NC seventeen rating right around well, that time. Well, they they invented the NC seventeen before that when yeah. it was like the like they remember, replaced X with the th- NC seventeen. Yeah, do you remember Henry and June? Like I think. Clerks was supposed to get an NC seventeen oh, wow. oh, okay. uh, in ninety three or ninety four, yeah. whenever that mm-hmm. came out, mm-hmm. and. Uh, uh, and they didn't. They mm-hmm. like cut some. They cut some stuff. Would you boys consider religious movies as cult class? I mean, different cult, different audience. But like, well, so depends. when I was looking up the room, uh-huh. which is number one on the Amazon DVD drama list, number two is the Shack. <laughs> Get it? Not not the room. The Got Shack. It. The Shack, starring Sam Worthington, who you may remember as the leading man from the highest-grossing movie of all time, <laughs> who is now starring in a little Christian movie because Hollywood is unbelievably fickle. The Shack grossed like fifty million dollars at the box office. Yes, I don't. That's not. Which a is cult. not a. That's not, not a, a cult. Ton. It's not a ton of mo- money, but it's not. It's also not like it was not ignored. It did not fail. Okay. Uh, it received reviews mm-hmm. and all mm-hmm. the major mm-hmm. outlets. I like. I do think that. Well. I, uh, what about like something like God's Not Dead or Yeah, well I'm saying there are I'm sure there are a ton of Christian type movies, I mean, many of which are direct to D V D, direct yeah, video, yeah. that are invisible to us. Yeah, yeah. Right. That find an audience. Would we count that as <laughs> Yeah, sure. You could yeah. call it a Christian cult classic or something. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Well this is like somebody Victorino uh, will play. Oh, yeah. Thank you. That's very funny. Somebody, I'm back. On Twitter, somebody described My lips are burning. <laughs> somebody somebody described Titanic to me as having a mega cult following. And I was like you realize that this is a total contradiction defeats, in terms. You purpose. cannot have a mega cult. It, then it's just yes. a church. Yes. 
I mean, yeah, I, like then, right. it, I mean, then a it, big one too. Like yeah. Titanic was yeah. never a cult film. Mm-hmm. It just had a. It, there was undoubtedly a dedicated. Oh, there was a dedicated smaller, mm-hmm. you know, core group that went to go see it ten times in, in the fact, theaters. In, speaking like, of which, speaking of that, there was a great article back in the day in the New York Observer when I used to read the pink broadsheets, right? And uh, and a reporter had just went online to see the regarding the Titanic phenomenon and get these two girls who were like 13 or 14 and while waiting in line they reenacted the scene between uh, you know the two leads and one on bended knee they do the whole thing over and over they couldn't get enough of it that's that in itself I mean it's cultish yeah. but it's obviously uh, huge right it's, it's not it's like cult. a cult classic no, there's no no, 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 no. Yeah. Um, you guys gonna rank them cult movies no I, I don't know my, my only other thought was I was comforted to know I wasn't one of the only people who actually liked Flash Gordon growing up when I saw the movie Ted uh, with uh, Mark Wahlberg. Oh yeah, that's right. And there. and yeah. there's a whole yeah. homage to Sam J. Jones, and he's oh he's at a party and this whole thing with Flash Gordon. I said oh this is great. I liked it. My wife had never seen Flash Gordon, but the thing is, we have plenty of time to discuss this. Um, when I was growing up, uh, we as you know JVL, we got a VCR. I think when I was ten. <laughs> Yes. At the doctor's house. Yes, yeah, we did. It was big. You got a VCR was in like 1972. R- no, 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 no. 81 or 82. DARPA was still testing the VCRs we when got you a guys hold got of them. It. And we were communicating with other homes that had computers. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, it was an R- big RCA um, uh, VCR. And, top loader? And, front and loader? And, uh, top. You put yep. it down. And you got. Do you even know what this means, Sonny? <laughs> oh yeah, I had a uploader. And they would ask you but when I was watching cartoons in England. Oh yeah, see in the mid '80s because he was a baby. Uh, and you, they, they let you, if you since they purchased it for God knows how much money. Um, we purchased up in Bricktown. Uh, they you could choose two movies. Like, oh right, right. You, you get to take, to two, take two movies, the movies oh, before. Right, this is before the sell-through window was yeah. invented. Yeah, the movies to buy, buy. like four hundred dollars yeah, or something. So right. you got two free movies. I have no idea what the selections were, but when my parents came home, the two movies they they got were Flash Gordon and Enter the Dragon with Bruce Lee. Hmm. And as kids, so as like nine, ten-year-olds watching, obviously Flash Gordon a million times, and and that's why I love Flash Gordon. But uh, Enter the Dragon was a lot worse uh, for a ten-year-old. There was there was nudity, heroin, uh, you know, I mean, the drug use, yeah. uh, and and the war and the Ride violence. Ride the dragon. Hmm? Enter the dragon. <laughs> you know, should be called Ride, Ride the, the dragon. dragon. Exactly. No, there was a lot of that, and I didn't know what they were making. They were cooking up the drugs. And Bruce Lee's sister commits suicide with a shard of glass in her stomach. It was terrible. And the worst is, uh, people who are familiar with Enter the Dragon, the death of Jim Kelly, who was the black martial arts star from the 70s. Not only, I can't believe he greeted us, not only was he brutally murdered, he was bludgeoned to death, and then he was lynched. And then they cut the rope and he went into a vat of acid. And I saw this as a 10-year-old. It was horrible. It is, and on many levels. But anyway... But at uh, least your parents loved you. Oh, okay. Uh, but again, a great uh, Flash Gordon, by the way, not only Sam G. Jones, Melody Anderson, but Max von Sydow, who's still working. I shouldn't mention his name, I guess. <laughs> he was Sorry. working until five minutes ago. I did mention Jim Neighbors in that Match Game episode. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> oh, God, you killed him. And, and Timothy Dalton was in Flash Gordon as Prince Baron. Uh, he should be safe. Okay, so. Uh, do we have any other thoughts? Cause we're leading up. You know, we're no, all just kill the Sonny's episode. forehead pressed against. You know, Sonny, I wouldn't put your forehead against that microphone foam. You don't know what people have done to that microphone foam. Somebody could have put their mouth on it. Okay. <laughs> There's nothing to add. 
Uh, and no other no other thoughts. No. Okay. All right. Uh, spirit of the week. Sonny brought the spirit of the week. Thank yeah, you. That's the and old Forster prohibition style. You guys love it. We love it. Just uh, moves product. Boy, you go are really. He's, he's that's an electric line reading there. Yeah. And drink, drink okay. it. Drink uh, it, Rummy. Uh, corrections, additions, anything. Uh, Instant JBL. correction. Yeah. Uh, sure. Showgirls was not the first NC seventeen. Oh. Benny Henry and June, and June. Ju- one. Ben- Henry and June. <laughs> Henry and June. I wish Benny and June was no. I just Henry and June was Victor yeah. Reno. Very good call. Yeah, it was like with Fred Ward as uh, Henry Miller. Uh, I know, I know my, I know my NC Seventeen movies. Um, okay. <laughs> Which <Which show> <laughs> Don't question second? me. Uh, what was it? Wikipedia doesn't say. When was it? When was it introduced? The NC Seventeen. NC Seventeen introduced in September nineteen ninety. Okay. Okay. For Henry and June, which was previously going to be an X movie. Yeah. Last week, uh, l- listeners might have thought I was stroking out. I said stroking out when I was <laughs> trying to ask. When I was trying to ask if uh, actress Kobe Smulders is Maria is Maria Hill. Instead, I said Corby Cummer. And uh, believe it or not, that's a real name. Robert Messenger knows him. He's a food writer. I've seen him on TV, too. He's a senior editor at The Atlantic, and he was kind enough to chime in on a Twitter thread saying, yes, that's me. Uh, I'm just glad it wasn't a porn star. That would have been embarrassing. Um, Okay. That's it? Wow. All right. Yeah, good show. That was one of the most uh, wheels off shows ever. Uh, That's all the time we are giving to this episode. Questions, comments. if If only people could hear the unedited version. I'm going to chop the crap out of this thing. Oh. Questions, com- I, I know. Questions, comments, compliments. Tweet us at Victorina Mattis at Sunny Bunch. At JV Last. Okay. Follow me on Instagram. Ooh, uh, again, be sure to subscribe to us on iTunes or Google Play. Just type in substandard under podcast, and we're there. Leave a review. Tell your friends. Until next time. <laughs> It's really going to be too bad when people don't get to hear all the... the, the it's going to be a 20-minute episode once I finish yeah, cutting it. 20-minute episode. Uh, yeah, there was a lot going on there, including the technical difficulties. I did have... The best part was when uh, it took us... It actually took us two minutes to get the show started. I swear to God. It was like it was, it was like Vic was reading lines like he was Tommy Wiseau trying to do his first scene in the room. I couldn't. He was like, I just couldn't do it. I couldn't. I didn't. I did not do it. I did not hit her. <laughs> oh, hi, Mark. Oh, hi, Mark. <laughs> That was literally yes, what he was doing for just two we minutes. Should, you know what? Maybe there'd be an uncut version one of these. That would be very interesting. Maybe there should just be no okay. show. I, without, I'm all for that. Yeah. Um, Vic really wants to quit, by the way. I, too. And, and everyone I'm out there. You, I'm taking a two-week vacation. You wanna, if you want to get holidays. at him, if you want to get at Vic, yes. just be like, and hey, encourage me to quit. Please encourage me because I've had it. I have nothing else to add. Um, in other news, though, okay, please. If you will just tell Vic that you really like him and you don't want him to quit and apply some peer pressure, he'll not want to disappoint you, and so he won't. This is actually true. He's the most flexible person. He's very sensitive to what other people think yes. about him. Vote Mattis. <laughs> uh, I want to give a special okay as an outtake here. I want to give a special outtake to our friends Connor and Ruth Sweeney. Sonny, you know Connor Sweeney. They live in England now. Your old stomping grounds, and they listen to the Substandard every week across the pond. Uh, Connor uh, recently told me when he was in town that his wife likes to listen in bed before she goes to sleep. And he says, oftentimes, you know, uh, we're right there in the middle between them in the bed as she listens to it. So uh, on that note, I just wanted to say to Ruth, good night, sweet dreams, and I hope you wake to a pleasant morning. That's not creepy, is it? 
Oh, I'm sure it's fine. <laughs>